Good morning, church. I'm Mark Williams, and I am the pastor and elder at Pierce Point Community Church. At this time, the elders and deacons would be articulating to you, the church, what this church believes and follows. And in this cycle of devotional teachings, we are concentrating on the justice and mercy of God. Jacob and Sean have taken their have given their take on the justice and mercy of God, and normally this would be Barney's time slot. But because Barney and Nathan have been working tirelessly throughout the week, well, Barney needs a break. He's given a biblical devotion for hope each and every day, and I want to thank him for that. This is my, my take on the justice and mercy of God. So what if our current system of laws were judged by God as it was in the time of Adam. Here's what it would look like. Nathan Frankhauser, you have been charged and found guilty of running a stoplight at the intersection of Wolfpen Pleasant Hill Road and US 52. Your sentence is death. Doesn't really seem fair, does it? As humans and as Christians, we have a very screwed up view on what is just and true and a very messed up view of what mercy looks like. Jacob started us off reaffirming that our God is a sovereign God, a good God, and it's all about the will of God. Jacob also goes on to say that because God is a good God, he is also a just God. He is fair and impartial, and we see through scripture that God will judge between right and wrong. We see this when Adam and Eve were ejected from the Garden of Eden. God goes on to give the law to Moses so that everyone knows what the will of God is for all that love him. It gives us the basis for comparison as to what sin is. And through the Mosaic law, we know that it, what it means to fear the Lord. In Exodus 20, do not be afraid, for God has come in order to test you and in order that the fear of him may remain with you so that you may not sin. I think that the scripture that Jacob shared that stuck with me more than any other was from Isaiah 33:22. For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. He will save us. He will save us. Just those four simple words hit me right in the heart and just blew my mind. Those four simple words gave me more hope than I could have ever dreamed of. Jacob defined mercy as compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm, according to Webster's Dictionary. And in our worldview, a penalty of death for running a stop sign seems unjust and unfair. Sean, in his devotional statement on the justice and mercy of God, gave examples of Sodom, and if in finding just 10 righteous men, he would spare the city. 10 righteous men were not found, only Lot. And being a righteous man, he finds favor with the angels, and because of this, God shows mercy on Lot and allows him and his family to escape. Sean's statement about justice comes before mercy and that these two concepts cannot be separated. If we didn't have judgment, we wouldn't need mercy, and vice versa. Quite honestly, I never thought of it that way. Now where would we be if we didn't have 
Barney's take on justice and mercy. So we're going to Psalms. The justice. Psalm 9, verses 7 through 9. The Lord reigns forever. He has established his throne for judgment. He will judge the world in righteousness. He will govern the people with justice. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Now the mercy side of it from Psalms. And again in Psalms 9, verses 13 through 20. O Lord, see how my enemies persecute me. Have mercy and lift me up from the gates of death, that I may declare your praises in the gates of the daughter of Zion, and there rejoice in your salvation. The nations have fallen a pit they have dug, their feet caught in the net they have hidden. The Lord is known by justice. The wicked are ensnared by the work of their hands. The wicked return to the grave. All the nations that forgot God. But the needy will not be forgotten, nor the hope of the afflicted ever perish. Arise, O Lord, let not man triumph. Let the nations be judged in your presence. Strike them with terror, O Lord. Let the nation know they are but men. We also see this again in Psalms 82, Psalm 101, and Psalm 146. No matter what we think, and no matter what befalls us, just as we have seen here in Psalms, God is a just God, and David knows this because David leaves the judgment of his enemies to God himself. As for God's mercy, we see it in the needy and the oppressed. David requests mercy for himself so that God remembered David during this time of trouble. It was never David's intention to receive the glory for his enemies being defeated. It was David's intention to give all of the glory to God. Jacob and Sean both transitioned into what that means for us, the church. Where do we find that judgment and mercy that is motivated by love? Why the gospel, of course. John 3:16, for God so loved the world, at you, church, that he gave his only one and, one and only son, that would be Jesus. That's his mercy. That whosoever believes in him shall never perish, but have eternal life. And First John 2:1 puts it this way: "My children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one that speaks to the Father, our ultimate judge. We have that one that speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the whole world. That's pretty powerful. Not only did Jesus die for our sins, he will be our advocate as well not by our righteousness, but by his righteousness. And this is stated in Philippians 3.9. A quick guide for justice and mercy. The fall of man, Genesis 3. Man obeys, they're rejected. The law of Moses was a preparatory gospel that included the principles of repentance, baptism, remission of sins, and the law of carnal commandments. These are found in the first five books of the Bible. The sacrifices or wages for sin are outlined in Leviticus 4. The wages for sin is death, Romans 6.23. Paul affirms this. 
The next day we see Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John 1, 29. We are reminded who that sacrifice was. In Romans 15, 7 through 9, accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so that the promises made to the patriarchs may be confirmed, and moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. God was merciful to us, the Gentiles. The Jews were God's anointed people. The Gentiles found mercy through God's promise to Abraham that all would be, that he would be the father of all nations. God has judged us all, and rightly so, guilty of sin. And the sacrifice for our sin is death. But because God had mercy on us, he sacrificed his only son as atonement for our sins. And as Jacob and Sean both stated, this is very humbling to know that the same judge, God, that judged us, sent his son to pay the cost for our sins. A cost that we as a people, as adopted sons and daughters of the Holy One, can never repay. As with any of our other devotional times concerning the sovereignty of God, the goodness of God, or the justice and mercy of God, it's all up to us to choose. We either choose to believe and obey or not believe at all. There is no wishy-washy gray area to God's judgment and mercy at all. The problem is that God is still put in that box, confined to what we want and what we believe of our God. We minimize his power, his patience, and his love. We test God when we are the ones that are being tested. Are we, are we obedient to his word or are we not? And as Jacob said, this is just a small glimpse into the massive differences between our thoughts of justice and mercy and God's thoughts. Charles Spurgeon said this, it is a good thing for the, melan- for the melancholy to come to Christian, to become a Christian. It is an unfortunate thing for the Christian to become melancholy. If there is any man in the world that has a right to have a bright, clear face and a flashing eye, it is the man whose sins are forgiven him and who was saved with God's salvation. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I lift everyone in this church up in prayer. There, there are those times that we don't think of our justice and certainly not of your mercy. We forget who is the ultimate examiner and who is being examined. Lord, I ask that you send your messenger at every hour of the day and night to remind us that who it is all about. You, our God, through your Son, has given us life, yet we at times squander what you have given us freely, your judgment, your love, your grace, and your mercy. Lord, I also humbly lift up our leadership to you during these difficult times. We are the shepherds of your flock trying to maintain a connection with the church body and with you. We are using some very modern technological resources that certainly wasn't around in ancient times. Give us the knowledge that we need to continue to do the work of your kingdom. And I also pray for the wisdom to use this new technology for your glory. 
Lord, I also ask special blessings on Nathan and Barney. They have worked so hard and so long in being your hands and feet during this pandemic time, a time when we are forced into isolation, knowing full well that we are a community that is supposed to be in fellowship with one another. Please keep giving them the time, the resources, the knowledge, and the wisdom so that we can celebrate together as a church your love, your grace, and your mercy. And just as important, give Nathan and Barney peace and rest throughout these troubling times. Lord, thank you so much for this day. In Christ's name, amen.